One of the most controversial subjects in modern Christianity can be summarized under the label of Calvinism. Uh, many people may not understand that much of what they may hold dear, uh, it's, it's beginning its roots, its seeds, Though scriptures are read to justify it, oftentimes the original uh, thought or impulse, the reason why it is taught today, has less to do with what the scripture says than, uh, than the actual thoughts and the philosophical musings of an individual that, that, that first popularized them in, in modern parlance. And so, Calvinism. I, I, I want to give you three reasons why I am not a Calvinist. Number one, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and desires that all would repent. Do you know what Calvinism is? Do you know what Calvinism believes? I know many people may know the name and they, they may have heard him taught as an uh, individual within the Reformation, but do you know if what you believe finds its roots in John Calvin and his disciples, or are those thoughts actually originating in Scripture? And so those are things you may not know. A lot of people don't know that what they believe is more from the tradition or denomination they've been taught, and uh, they may not really understand the root of those things. But, but the purpose of this video today is to answer the question or to make the statement, three reasons why I am not a Calvinist. Calvinism is uh, most easily explained in the acronym that is created to help people remember the five points of Calvinism. And the overarching idea of Calvinism can be summarized in what uh, many call sovereign grace and in the most simple terms what that means is that everyone that will be saved will be saved because God chose them and the same is on the opposite end everyone that will be damned cursed and suffer in hell forever will be those whom God chose not to choose. And so there is within that idea five points of Calvinism. And those five points uh, go through that from a philosophical standpoint of why uh, it's all about God's choosing. It has nothing to do with the individual response so one of the main points that I'm going to state is a reason I don't believe in Calvinism and I'm not a Calvinist is the concept of limited atonement. And limited atonement teaches that Jesus only died and shed his blood for those that were chosen. However, I believe based on the study of the scripture for God, quoting Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so I would say that based on that, another scripture, Jesus, whosoever will 
come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, regardless of the highbrow philosophical pondering of those who claim that predestination is simply within the realm of God's choosing with no individual input or response needed, Scripture is explicit. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Uh, the only reason everyone is not saved is not based on God's will, but on the response of people to God's provision. Jesus was not a Calvinist. Jesus stated, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Further, I would say the apostles in the written record of Scripture do not allude to the conclusions of the five points of Calvinism. The blood of Christ and his atonement was shed for the sins of the whole world. First John chapter 2 and verse 2, And he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, why? Why? Why would someone believe that Jesus' blood, the, the atonement was limited when the scripture says his blood was shed for ho the whole world? I would say it's what they're taught. They, they, they're taught not just to believe some scriptures, but they're taught to doubt, dismiss, and uh, relegate other scriptures to not being as true or not uh, valid within the discussion. The second reason I am not a Calvinist is God gave us all a choice to choose if we will believe and obey. God gave us all a choice to choose if we will believe and obey. Calvinism, at its root, is fatalism. Fatalism, defined, is the belief that all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable. There's nothing you can do to change it. There is a famous song, I believe it was sung by Doris Day, K Sarah Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see, K Sarah Sarah. That's fatalism. And that is what Calvinism is. It is on its face a belief that we have no bearing, no power to influence what will happen in our life, whether for good or evil. We are simply, um, we're, just, we're just playing out our part. We have no input. That, that's, if you study what, what Calvinism is, Calvinism teaches that if you are going to be saved, you have been chosen, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. And if you are damned, there is nothing that you can do to change that. And many people in the world of Calvinism, they, 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 they consider themselves various degrees of Calvinists. Uh, Five-point Calvinists, four-point Calvinists, three-point Calvinists, two-point Calvinists. And... and uh, uh, sadly, every point of Calvinism hangs within this tension of a false perception of who God is and, and rejects 
uh, our personal responsibility, not just in the, the beginning, but in the finishing of what God does in our life. The Bible demonstrates throughout Scripture the, the, the miraculous power of repentance. Uh, I believe the Bible demonstrates that God desires for humanity to be blessed. God uh, uh, desires for us to be saved. God desires for us to partake in his promises and so it is within that reality that we have to contextualize what the Bible says and what we've heard all of our life. A lot of people heard a lot of things all their life, but what they've heard is not true. And it's hard to know that. And that's why the Bible puts up on us individually. It is said in Scripture, save yourself from this crooked generation. And this was preached to Jews. This was preached to uh, the first believers in Acts chapter 2. Uh, they, they asked, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter says, repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those one, two, three. But in verse, verse 40, he said, and with many other words, he did preach Save yourself from this untoward generation. We have a personal responsibility to walk in humble, humble uh, obedience and reverence for God. I want to be blessed by God, and I have a personal responsibility to see that take place in my life. You see this in the story of Jonah. You see this in the story of King Saul. Uh, Saul, who who was chosen to be king, and and in the beginning the Lord, the Bible says that he, the Lord gave him a new heart, and he went out from the prophet, and when he got around the prophets, he prophesied all day, and the the the, the parable was said is Saul among the prophets, God chose him, and there was a day when when the Lord gave him direction, and he rationalized why he didn't need to do what the Lord told him, and Samuel. The prophet said, he said, uh, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. And if you would have done what the Lord told you to do this time, your throne would have been established forever. But because, again, you have disobeyed God, the kingdom is rent from you, and another man will become king. Why did that happen? It was directly based upon what Saul did. Saul disobeyed, and God's stated declaration of his plan changed, and God rejected Saul and chose David. And you see from David and to Solomon and Rehoboam and all throughout the kings of Judah and Israel, there was blessing and there was cursing based upon what those individual men, whether they sought the, the Lord God of heaven or whether they walked in the evil deeds of, of their fathers. And so that, that nature, that, that dynamic that's in the word of God that, that curses, the curse of death was born because of disobedience, doubt, rebellion that Adam and Eve exercised, choosing. And so I reject Calvinism because it teaches that the blood 
of Jesus was only shed for a limited number of people that he chose. And everyone else has no hope. The, the Bible doesn't teach that. The, 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 the third reason I am not a Calvinist is, is it's summarized this, this choice that God has given us is one that I must exercise, I would say regularly, even daily, and I have to choose, well, I continue to live in obedient faith. The, the, the fifth point of Calvinism is called the, called the perseverance of the saints. And it's within this paradigm, uh, the, the T is for total depravity. You have no ability to choose uh, God. So you can't choose God, God chooses you. Uh, you is... Uh, uh, you is... Uh, U is uncon T T total depravity. U is unconditional election. L is limited atonement. I is irresistible grace. And P is the perseverance of the saints. So it's 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 explaining in five descriptions one thing. God chose it, and what he has chosen will be, and there's no hope for those he doesn't choose. And so that fifth that fifth principle, the last principle, perseverance of the saints, is also called called once saved, always saved. Many people who don't even know who John Calvin is, or don't know about the the acronym Tulip, they have been taught the doctrine of once saved, always saved, and it is it is the the I would say the corruption of the infection of Calvinism that still permeates the minds of a lot of very sincere people. They're taught that once you are saved, there is nothing you can do to be unsaved. On its face, this is an unbiblical belief. I exercise my will to be saved every day. Now, I don't believe our salvation is is a uh, a uh, banana peel salvation. I don't think we just make one mistake and fall. Uh, Jesus, if you read and study the, the parables of Jesus, you're not going to find this concept of once saved, always saved. If you were to read and study the teaching of Jesus, and you would not walk away with a belief in once saved, always saved. Many of the favorite scriptures that people use for once saved, always saved, they are taken out of context and they will largely discount and remove from their narrative every scripture that seems to discount or maybe water down this concept that they have hung on one or two scriptures that no doubt what they say is true, but they are not true in isolation. For instance, if I said to you, you have to have gas in your car to drive, across town. That is absolutely true. You got to have gas in your car to drive across town. But that statement does not mean nothing else is needed. You also need to have spark plugs and spark plug wires. Your 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 gas tank must have a lot a fuel line that connects to the uh, the carburetor or the uh, the ejection system to make it all run. So do you need gas to get uh, to drive around town in your car? Yes. But 
on the same way. It is not contradictory to say, well, you also need to have gas. You also need to have spark plugs. You need to have a battery that that is working and will uh, fire the system up. There are many things that are required if you want to drive around town. The same is true when it comes to the concepts of salvation, the concepts of faith and virtue. If you want to experience the blessings of God, uh, you must recognize there are many expectations. And one of them, no doubt, we are saved by grace through faith. And 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 from from the from the heart we believe and from the mouth we profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that is the beginning process where we find ourselves on a path of salvation. But simply believing in your heart on a Monday and confessing with your mouth on a Tuesday doesn't alleviate you to repent on Wednesday, get baptized on Thursday, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost on Friday and live for God all day Saturday. It is a process. And, and, and we begin in faith and we end in faith. Uh, we are saved by faith, but we are not saved by faith alone. Oh, that's a whole other subject. So let, let me rewind. I, some of you, I blew your mind there. Uh, and uh, I can. I, I think if you, you just back up what I just said, it takes a lot of things that the Bible teaches. Jesus proclaims. The disciples exhort to, to tell us that that this this is a journey. We 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 must. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, what do you got to do? Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. It is a daily journey of faith, and we start here, and it is God's uh, plan for us to progress past the faith, but to continue in the faith. And so I reject Calvinism because they, uh, he and his followers have, have corrupted the minds of people to believe that if you ever did anything to be saved, of course Calvinism teaches that if God chose you, you can't be unchosen. So that's the perseverance of the saints within the Calvinist mechanism. But those that still believe this final leaf of the tulip now, they believe that you have to uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then you're saved. That might happen when you're five. And if you're truly saved, no matter what you do from that point, uh, you're saved. Now, of course, there's a there's a caveat. You know, well, if you were saved when you were uh, seven years old and then you went and shot somebody, well, then you never were saved, or it, whatever the sin is. You know, you ask me, well, well, what if what if if somebody that was saved at seven went and molested children? Well, if they weren't really saved, or they wouldn't have molested children, or they wouldn't have committed adultery, or they wouldn't have lied. And then what happens is is many people that are taught eternal security or once saved always saved, there is within their mind uncertainty because they find within their heart and they know within their own life they have done things that that the scripture says well if you were really saved you wouldn't do that <laughs> and so that that's what that's what that's what false doctrine or 
teaching that 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 originates from the mind of an individual uh, is it is it brings us what it's striving to make you feel safe and secure about what it does is it gives you uncertainty Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 13 but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved Jesus taught you've got to hold on you've got to endure till the end we must understand that one statement of Jesus is not in contradiction to another thing he states his teachings are compatible with the other we must not make the common error to isolate one scripture to prop up our traditional belief while ignoring, muting, and discounting other words of Jesus and the rest of scripture to maintain our persuasion. The concept of continuing, running, believing, obedience, and faithfulness are wrapped up in the singular principle from Genesis to Revelation. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Jesus warned in the book of Revelation, uh, John the Beloved, he is visited by by heavenly revelations, and Jesus Christ Himself comes to John, and He has John transcribe seven letters to the seven churches of Asia, and six of the seven Jesus warned them, if you don't repent. He promises judgment. A one he tells he tells them, if you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick. If you don't repent, I will become an enemy and I will fight with you with the with the sword of my mouth. If you don't repent, I will blot your name out of the book of life. Jesus is warning the church, people that are saved, if they don't cease to do what they're doing, he is going to remove their status, their candlestick. The church of Laodicea, he told them, I will spew you out of my mouth. How do people contextualize that being taught once saved, always saved? They just don't include it in their teaching because it's, contradictory. In Revelations 2 and 5, Jesus says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. What we must fully understand that whatever other scriptures might be listed, they are not, must not, be used to discount other words of scripture. For instance, I could give you 30 scriptures to support what I'm saying. You need, you need to, to stay in the fight. You need to stay in prayer. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be faithful. You need to be loving. You've got to forgive. If you don't forgive, uh, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. I, I, hundreds of scriptures. Well, what would happen is somebody would say, "Well, here's a hundred scriptures where it says that 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 you know you're forever saved." And and they're like it's like uh, you ever played that game War with uh, playing cards? You know, you put down a, a jack of spades, and somebody down lays down a, a an ace of spades. An ace wins. So, and a lot of people use the Bible 
to 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 argue. Oh well, I've got Acts two thirty. I've got John three sixteen. I've got uh, Romans ten and nine. I've got Colossians three and six. I and, and 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 it's like 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 battle with with the scripture. That's that's scriptural malpractice. All scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. This Bible, the Word of God. All of it is true. And so what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born, of, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is true. John three sixteen, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is true. These are not conflicting statements. They're both true. You need to be born again and you need to believe in Jesus Christ. These are not incompatible uh, circumstances. These are not contradictory statements. They're all true. Everything Jesus said is true. What the apostles wrote is true. Paul himself, who wrote wonderful words of revelation, he, he tells us wonderful things. Paul himself, First Corinthians 9 and 27, he says, But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. Paul, Paul, he who wrote about election, he who wrote about predestination, he who wrote all of these scriptures that are used to support uh, the, 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 the Calvinism, he said he himself if he didn't take personal responsibility to keep the, 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 the lust of his flesh under check, that he could become a castaway? Yes, yes. And that's, that's the whole picture. And so, so in summary, three reasons I am not a Calvinist is, number one, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and desires that all would repent and come into salvation. Number two, God gave us all a choice to choose if we will believe and obey. And number three, this choice is exercised daily. Will I continue today to live in obedient faith? And so these three simple reasons are the three biggest reasons I am not a Calvinist. Now here's the deal. I don't believe that we should try to overemphasize our identity with a denomination. I believe we need to identify with the Bible. We need to identify with Jesus Christ, and we need to identify with the men whom he chose to establish the church. And so I identify as an apostolic. What does that mean? It means I follow the teachings and the patterns provided by the apostles when they established the church, both in the book of Acts that shows us how they preached to those that were lost and what they wrote to the churches in Rome, the church in Ephesus, the church in Galatia. He was writing to people that were saved how were they saved? Read the book of Acts. And so that's the pattern. I'm not, I don't, I give 
almost no credence to the point of doctrine. What what the Pope says, what Martin Luther says, what John Calvin says, or even any modern day preacher. My when it comes to my doctrinal things that are set in stone, they are the foundation of my belief. It is upon the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And Calvin's not in the foundation. In the book of Revelation, John sees heaven. And in heaven, there are 12 foundations. And on the foundations is written the names of the apostles. And not one of those foundations has the name Calvin. Not one of those foundations has the name of Luther. Not one of those nations has uh, foundations has the name of uh, John Wesley. Not one of those foundations have the name of Joseph Smith or Charles Taze Russell or uh, Mary Baker Eddy or Ellen White or all of these other historical figures that have given us denominational Christianity today. And here's, here's the appeal, is that you, you need to study the Word of God for yourself. And if there is something you've been taught that it's the truth, it's the truth, can you find that truth without their special magazines? Can you find that truth without their special extra biblical books? I'll say this in closing. I, I, I was driving down the road, uh, test driving a car, and and I was looking at buying a car from a, a seminary student. And he asked me, what's the difference between what you believe and what I believe? And I said, I, I said the, the bottom line is you have spent most of your education time at the seminary reading books, what other people wrote about the Bible. You read the writings of John Calvin and all those who believe like John Calvin. You read these dusty books and you spend very little time in the Bible. And he looked at me and said, you're exactly right. I was telling my friends just the other day, when can we just stop and start studying the Bible? And I said, bingo. That's the difference because I give no credence to all of those historical books to the point that it, it overshadows, overshadows, and contradicts, and is in, gr- in great contradiction to what the Bible says. But, but people are schooled in the tradition that they've chosen, and, and so much of what these graduates of seminaries, they get up and they quote a scripture from the Bible, but then they began to teach what someone else said about the Bible instead of letting the Scripture speak for itself. That's why you have denominational Christianity. And I know one of the big buzzwords today is uh, non-denominational. But the challenge is a lot of people that are drawn to the Word, if they get into what they're being taught, they're being taught the same old doctrines of the denominational world. They just took the name off the sign so that they could appeal to this desire not to be denominational. Uh, here's the deal. What we need to do is not just try to flee from labels. We need to love, find the Word of God, 
and love the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Study the Word of God. And and when the Scripture shows you something that is in contradiction to what you have always been taught, what you're going to do? Believe the Word of God. It might cost you something. It might make some people mad. But at the end of the day, let God be true and every man a liar. So I, I, I share these 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 thoughts and and I share with you the three reasons why I am not a Calvinist not to be offensive oh I know this is offensive to some people but my motivation is simply to challenge and provoke you to pick up your Bible and pray to the Lord God in heaven to say God is there something that I need that I don't have is there something I need to believe I've never been taught is there something you want me to do that I don't even know has been written for me in Scripture? Because the truth of the matter is, today our world, America, Western Christianity today, is probably the most biblically illiterate group of people since before the printing press. When when Catholicism dictated what was would be uh, doctrine, and it was totally devoid of Scripture, and how they kept that in check was to keep the book out of people's hands. Well, today, everybody has a Bible, but no one reads it, no one knows it, and people are clueless to what it says. And so, in many ways, people are just as ignorant about the Bible today and we have Bibles as they were when having a Bible wasn't even a choice or an option. So study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this day. Thank you for your blessings that I enjoy. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace. Lord God, you know it is my sincere desire not to be offensive, but Lord, to provoke people to good works. And there's not a higher calling than to study, to, to, to meditate, to learn, to read, and to be instructed in life, in eternity, in salvation, based on what your Bible says and not some tradition or denomination. Help me to be a better believer. Help me to be a better teacher. Help me to be a better preacher, a better father, a better husband. Lord Jesus, let your will be done in my life. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Let me not resist. Lord, whatever it is you're trying to teach me, let your will be done in Jesus' name. So, until next time, thank you for joining me. I encourage you to send me questions, even if you disagree with me. That's all right. It's a wonderful thing about America. Uh, we don't have to have the same opinions or thoughts. Uh, we, we can peacefully disagree, unlike John Calvin who burned at the stake someone that disagreed with them. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore. So God bless you, and have a great day.